how are you now? <laughs> how are you now? Well, folks, your Montreal Canadiens lose by a score of 6-4 to four to the Vegas Golden Knights. Is anybody surprised? <laughs> Hello and welcome to episode, what is it? Episode 12? I think it's episode 12. Yeah, it's episode 12 of the Bottom 6 Minutes podcast presented by Habs Eyes and the Prize. I'm Matt Drake, and I am not even a little bit pissed off. Those are the kind of losses that you want. If you're going to lose a bunch of games this year, at least let's have 6-4, 6-5, 7-4, 7-6. Let's have them be nice and high scoring. We get to watch 10 total goals. And what else? Well, we're looking for some development from young players as well. And uh, folks, there was a little bit of that in this game as well. So let's get into it. Let's just start talking about what happened in that game. we got to get through 10 goals worth of a recap, so I better be quick. Right? The Habs actually were the better team early on at the start of the first period in this game. It took a full five minutes, I mean a little bit more than five minutes, for Vegas to actually get a shot on goal. However, Vegas ends up scoring first anyways. Giveaway by Joel Edmondson in the defensive zone. It goes straight to Nicolo Haig. He pumps it in from uh, coming down from the point. Makes it one nothing for the Vegas Golden Knights. But shortly after that, Kirby Doc with a beautiful cross-ice pass from down in the corner of the offensive zone over to Cole Caulfield. Cole Caulfield. <sighs> you get some lateral movement with that boy shooting the puck. Yeah, it's going in. 1-1. 32 goals to go. The countdown continues. Habs outshoot Vegas 14-12 to in that first frame. So it's a pretty good start for the Habs. But that pretty good start falls apart for them in the second period. Uh, they don't get a shot on goal in the second period for 12 minutes. Uh, Vegas, just a shooting gallery at the other end. But Jake Allen standing tall and keeping them in this thing. They only get one. William Carlson over to Riley Smith. Um, on a two-on-one, and they make it two-to-one for the Vegas Golden Knights on their two-on-one. But that's all Vegas could get. Jake Allen was great, very good in that period. Again, took 12 minutes just to get a fucking shot on goal for the Habs, so you got to hand it to your goaltender there, and you got to come out hard in the third period, and they do. Third period is where things get crazy, though. So very early in the third period, uh, Kirby Doc, Nick Suzuki, Cole Caulfield, top line, edit again. They go in for a three-on-one. Suzuki gives a puck to Doc, gives it back to Suzuki. He fires it in off the post and makes it 2-2. Two to two. But they didn't even really get a chance to celebrate that goal. Riley Smith gets his second on a power play that shouldn't have existed. So not long after the Suzuki goal, Jordan Harris is in the box for holding. And Yoel Armia gets elbowed in the face in the middle of the slot. No call. They let the power play continue for Vegas. And Riley Smith gets his second. Uh, makes it... 3-2 to two for the Vegas Golden Knights. Then, Haig again gets a point shot not long after that. Tipped in front by Keegan Kolasar. Makes it 4-2. to two. And then before they even finish announcing Kolasar's goal, Kolasar himself goes down, passes it over to Nicolas Roy. He shoots it in, makes it 5-2 to two for the Knights. And then we get some rough stuff. Josh Anderson with a bit of a gutless hit on... Um, Alex Petrangelo hits him in the numbers and throws his face directly into the dasher right at the Vegas Golden Knights bench. Um, scrum ensues. I think Josh Anderson is going to end up getting a call from the league about this. I would not be surprised if he gets suspended for a game or two over that hit. Uh, but the scrum that ensued 
So Anderson gets a five-minute major for the hit, but Vegas gets two minor penalties for roughing. So the result is Habs get a four-on-three power play. And guess what? They're not done, apparently. Immediately on that power play, Nick Suzuki takes a feed from Kirby Dock. He's coming down from the point, snipes from the top of the circle, and makes it 5-3. to three. But the problem there... The Habs did get that power play, but by scoring so quickly, they make it, you know, now we got to play what, a minute and a bit of four on four, and then Vegas gets a power play, and it's a major penalty, so scoring doesn't change anything, obviously. You know, Anderson's hit, got the major, Slavkovsky's in there serving it, no matter how many times they score, he's going to still be in that box. Now the Habs did a pretty good job of killing off the initial bit of it, but... Unfortunately, Jack Eichel made a beautiful pass from one circle into the other circle to Jonathan Marchessault. He beats Jake Allen with some real nice lateral movement as well there, making it 6-3. to three. But the Habs don't quit. That's what I loved about this game. Even though they're clearly going to lose this game, I, I, I didn't really have very much faith in the comeback. I really enjoyed the fact that they didn't quit and they tried to at least keep it interesting for us at least keep it like a fun game for us to watch Caden Gooley flying down the ice gains the zone makes a beautiful pass cross ice to Uri Slavkovsky and the rookie pounds it home makes it six to four but that's the closest that the Habs were going to get in that game they lose six to four not bad though not bad scoring four goals it was pointed out on on DVL Spar numerous times that currently Vegas going into that game was the best defensive team in the league, statistically speaking. They don't get scored on very much. So to put up a four spot on them, I mean, he gave up six, which is the problem, right? But to, to put up four is actually pretty impressive for the Habs. And what I liked even more was, like I said, if you're going to lose games, have them be high scoring, have them be fun to watch. But also, what did I say? We want to see some development from the young players. Where did we get our goals from? Two from Nick Suzuki, one from Cole Caulfield, one from Uri Slavkovsky. That is about the best possible distribution of scoring that you could get in a, I guess we're still calling this a rebuild year, right? Um, they're, they're working their way through the rebuild. So you want to see young players have, obviously, good games. You want to see people take a step forward. And that is a good segue for me to get into our silver lining of the night or your player of the game, whatever you want to call it. And I know I've copped out the last couple of games and given it to multiple people, but tonight we are giving it to Nick Suzuki all by himself. Nick Suzuki, ladies and gentlemen, is currently on pace for over 90 points this season in a year where the Habs are going to be lucky if they finish at the 500 mark, never mind above 500. This kid is the real deal. There's a reason why they gave him the captaincy, and the captaincy really doesn't have anything to do with the fact that he's able to produce points. The captaincy has to do with the fact that he's a very good on-ice leader. But it's real fucking nice to have the points coming as well. And clearly, he has taken his game to the next level this season. He's now got eight goals, which is, ironically, the exact same... I guess it's not ironic... Uh, oddly enough, is the exact same amount of goals that Cole Caulfield currently has. And I've been talking about Cole Caulfield hitting 40 goals since before the season even started. I predicted that he was going to do it. I didn't predict that Nick Suzuki was going to score 40 goals. I did predict that he might get to 90 points. And I thought that that would come largely from, you know, some benefit of being on Cole Caulfield's 
line and being his centerman and being able to feed him constantly while he's on his road to 40 goals there. But Nick Suzuki is currently on pace to hit 40 himself. Wouldn't that be something? They haven't had a 40-goal scorer since Vincent Danfus, and then they might have two in the same season, and it's going to be a shit sandwich of a season. Like You're going to get a high draft pick probably out of that year and still have two 40-goal scorers. If you told me that five years ago, I would have laughed you out of my office. There's no shot. No shot. But now there's a shot. And Nick Suzuki, folks, he is a heck of a player. And it's funny to me, hilarious to me, that he did it against Vegas of all teams. Because Vegas, of course, traded him to the Montreal Canadiens in that big trade for Max Pacioretty. And then what did they get for Max Pacioretty? Future considerations. Enjoy your future considerations. Because your future considerations could have been Nick Suzuki. Thanks, Vegas. You're dumb. (laughs) You're a lot better than the Habs this season, though. So you can take solace in the fact that you're going to have a better season than the Montreal Canadiens. But you got fleeced. Thanks for that one, Bergevay. Um, You know, I know I had some severe complaints about you throughout your time in Montreal, but I really appreciate you getting us Nick Suzuki. I know you lucked into that one because you wanted to get glass and uh, they insisted on you taking Suzuki. So you you kind of you know had that one fall into your lap, but whatever. I'll give you credit for it. Anyways, Nick Suzuki, fantastic player, fantastic game. He's your silver lining, your player of the game. We also got to talk about some other solid performances, though, and Cole Caulfield's one of them. Folks, 32 more goals to go. He's hitting 40, and I don't think there's a good goddamn thing that anybody can do about it. Um, he could have had a couple of goals in that game. He looked fantastic, especially in the first period. There's a couple of plays where he created scoring chances all by himself. It wasn't even just his shot, like his his skating, his stick handling, his vision, uh, the deception that he's able to do when he when he comes into the offensive zone. Like he head fakes a lot, and he, d- defensemen d- really aren't sure how to play him. They're obviously worried about the shot. That's the main concern when it comes to Cole Caulfield, but he has learned how to use his movement um, and to use the threat of his shot to, to kind of move defenders around and create space for himself and his teammates. So as he becomes better and better at that, as time goes on, I think in a couple of years, he's going to be a perennial 50-goal threat. I know, that's a, a bold statement, right? But I've already predicted 40 this year. I might as well go the extra mile. I think a couple of years from now, he's going to be, kissing 50 or or around there potentially hitting it on a regular basis Um, this kid's special and we should be very excited about him and then Kirby Doc I I wrote an article about this the other day I talked about this in the last episode he's the perfect winger for that line isn't he the god of mischief is back and better than ever Loki 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 Wow, great to see you again. Critics agree, Loki Season 2 is... Marvelous. Great. And it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki Season 2, now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. I mean... I know they acquired him to be a center and to potentially be the number two to Nick Suzuki's number one, but maybe he's a winger. I don't know. Fuck it. You have to just try some things out this season and find out if they work. And if that's the thing that works the most, then just stick with it, right? Owen Beck had two goals tonight. He's coming. He's coming next year. 
I will be shocked if he's not on the Habs next season. I don't think that they need to force Kirby Doc to play center. If he's happy on the wing, and if he's doing well on the wing, then leave him there. That was their best line on the night. The problem is that was their <laughs> kind of their only line on the night. Um, they they had trouble getting anything generated elsewhere in the lineup, which is something that needs to be addressed moving forward. But you mostly have to address that through the draft and through free agency. So you got to hope that you can graduate some of your prospects. Jesse Alonen's doing fine in Laval right now. He might be worth a shot. Um, again, Owen Beck, Joshua Roy. Uh, they've got some guys coming up that could do some damage. Philip Machar. There's a lot of guys that could potentially crack the lineup next year and give you some of that secondary scoring. Don't don't pull Kirby Doc off that line just now just because you want him to be a center. He hasn't been very good in the faceoff dot anyways. I know he's a natural center, but you know, let's let's ride this out. Let's ride this out maybe for the rest of the season. I don't know. I'm feeling it right now. That top line is dangerous every time they get on the ice. You just got to figure out how to get some additional scoring elsewhere in the lineup. I'll tell you where the scoring's not coming from. <laughs> it's not coming from guys like Mike Hoffman. And I don't want to sit here and shit on him. He's, he's already blocked me on Twitter. So uh, he's definitely not going to listen to this episode. <laughs> but um, he had a couple of plays in the night where he just passed the puck to absolutely nobody. And he had open options that he could have passed to. I, I just think he's mailing it in at this point. I think if they can't find a trade somewhere that they can send him to give him a shot at maybe competing... Uh, then they got to put him on waivers, bury him in the minors, bring somebody else up. I don't see the point in continuing to evaluate what he can do because you've seen it. We, we already know what he can do. We know what he can't do. And I'll tell you what he can't do is he can't provide any secondary scoring for this team. His best games this season have been on the top line with Suzuki and Caulfield. And, you know, that's going to be the case for pretty much anybody. I know I just said, you know, I'm very excited about Kirby Doc, but Kirby Doc looks way better there than Mike Hoffman did. Mike Hoffman was a passenger on that line. Kirby Doc's not a passenger. He's helping to drive play for them. He's helping to retrieve pucks. He's making really smart passes. Mike Hoffman, not making very smart passes. He had Jonathan Drouin wide open at the outside hash marks at one point, and instead he tried this weird hook pass to absolutely nobody in the middle and really just passed it directly to somebody on the Vegas Golden Knights. So I would like to see him, again, traded or potentially put on waivers, bring somebody else up, give them a shot. Uh, again, I already mentioned Jesse Lonan. Uh, he's doing very well in Laval. I was talking about it in the EOTP chat. Scott Matla, who watches every Laval Rocket game, first name he mentioned was Jesse Lonan. Bring him up. Give him that spot. Give him a shot. He deserves it. He deserves a chance to prove that he can play in the NHL. And right now, you're wasting that roster spot. Um, and I could say the same for Jonathan Drouin. Um, I've, I've always been reticent to criticize him because I'm a big fan of his. But he's having a bit of a rough go this season. Um, he had an opportunity to put the puck on net. Uh, it was what in the second period, and he just double clutched it. He just kind of was. I don't, he's fighting it right now. He doesn't know when he should shoot and when he shouldn't shoot. He he's skating well and he's making some intelligent passes. Like he's making some good reads, but I, I don't know. His, his confidence might be shot. He at the very least probably has better trade value than Mike Hoffman. I would think so. Maybe you can find a home for him in a trade. It might have to wait until the deadline uh, because the contending teams are not going to have the kind of cap space to absorb his salary right now. At the deadline, it's a lot more manageable, so we might have to wait till then. Um, Hoffman's probably a wash for trading him at all because he's got another year left on his deal, so contending teams are not going to eat that. 
They're not going to eat it. Not even if you eat half the salary and retain 50%. I mean, they're in a tough spot. Bergevin, again, I said nice things about him when it came to the Suzuki trade, but he left them a shit sandwich when it came to their cap situation. So something they're going to have to fight with. But both of those guys had rough games. Joel Edmondson also had a very rough game. Uh, He had the giveaway that led directly to the goal. He had another giveaway at the offensive blue line. I don't know what the fuck he was thinking with that pass. It was always going to get picked off, but Jake Allen bailed him out at the other end with a nice glove save. Um, I'm not going to dump on Edmondson. He's only played a couple of games since coming back from injury, so there were things to like about him in that game as well. Made a lot of good blocks, made a couple of nice hits. I don't know, Uh, but a rough game for him overall. And aside from that, mentioned it already Jake Allen was brilliant but I really just liked that game oh Yuri Slavkovsky uh Yuri Slavkovsky I was impressed by him in that game not necessarily he wasn't dominant or anything like that but what impressed me was he got hit with a shot in the ankle area right I think it was in the was in the first period or second period I can't remember it doesn't matter he gets hit by a shot when he goes to block it and he was hurting like, he was limping around on the ice. He goes to the bench, and he needed help to get back to the room. Uh, he came back pretty quickly, but still, I thought when he went back out on the ice, he looked like he wasn't skating as well as he normally does. So I think he was playing that game with a bit of a stinger. And, you know, I've had one of those before. They're painful. It's not fun to finish a game when you've got constant pain in your foot or your ankle. And he did. And then he still managed to score a goal and honestly looked very good throughout the course of the game uh i haven't looked at the stats page but i don't think anybody's gonna have very good uh looking numbers on naturalstatric.com right now for the habs after that game it's it's kind of more i'm 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 taking the eye test here and i'm using the eye test to say that he had a, a very good game for me especially as somebody who got hurt early on and then had to come back and and kind of play through that for the habs um, he had an effective game, and it was a really nice goal for him. Uh, a beautiful pass by Caden Gooley, who, by the way, also had a very good game. Um, overall, you got to like that game from seeing good things from your young players. The future of this team was basically how they got four goals. If you're going to lose 6-4, to four, you want the future of your team to be contributing those four goals for you. That's precisely what happened. Again, go back to what I said at the very top of the episode. I don't care seeing losses as long as they're nice and high scoring we get to have a little bit of fun and we see some steps forward from the young players we got all of that in this game so there's really nothing to complain about um of course like to see him get a win i think jake allen deserved a win in that one but you know this is we're we're still in the rebuild here so we got to look for the silver linings wherever we can find them and uh, there were plenty in that game so i'm gonna cut it off there we're gonna be back in action what on i think tuesday so we got a couple of days off here um everybody take it easy we're one we're uh we're running what Ooh, over 19 minutes so seniors soirée une soirée énorme vraiment pour les employés de soutien we're on spotify google play apple megaphone i'm on twitter at drake mt drop me a follow i would appreciate it very much folks Only 32 more goals to go. The countdown continues. Thank you, as always, for listening. And, of course, à la prochaine.
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.